The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. I only have two major questions for you today. One, what beer are you drinking at your Super Bowl party? Mmm, just got a, uh, just my, my, my wine place, my beer place, uh, burnt down. What? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I had oh. to call in and, and they have a different location where they've, uh, collected, uh, some beer for me. Are you okay? Like... <laughs> I did email my guy. I was like, are you okay? <laughs> are you, do, do you need to talk? Do we need to? Which way are you he's going with some... me, Cody? I, I want to sit here. Cody, move the camera so it gets me. There you go. He's got some North Park waiting for me from San Diego. So I'm going to have some North Park. North Park is where my family's restaurant is in San Diego. The San Diego Chicken Pie Shop. I love you go. North Park. Yeah. A lot of people go, where is that? It's by the zoo. So if you've ever been to the San Diego Zoo, <laughs> there you go. Okay. North of the park. <laughs> okay. So when you start thinking about beer, what 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 is the super? What do we need? What, what, what Super Bowl time? I I got a bunch of people coming over. I got to entertain. Yeah, you know, I'd like to also have some pilsners because not everyone likes IPAs. Yeah. And uh, some people got to keep it light. Maybe only have one or two out there. There. So you know, I I tried to have some pilsners. Um, and, uh, and you know, you know what I also throw in Modelo Mexican beer is always a good call <laughs> yeah, yes. like for the people who just want a lager, you know, it's a, it's like a, a little bit slightly different than just a Budweiser. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll dig on a Modelo on a hot day too. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's my sort of, uh, I'm, I'm having people over is, is some Modelo, a Pilsner, and then not the double IPAs, usually just single IPAs and and maybe not all hazies, too. Yeah, because hazies, not everybody loves hazies. But if you do like an IPA, like I've always Modelo or I can do Tecate. I grew up drinking both down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Bud Light, you know, something that you, you got to have something for, you know, there's some people I don't drink. I don't drink anymore. But even when I did, I was. I don't drink your fancy ass beers. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not a big. I was never a. We called it girls light, Coors light. Um, <laughs> but you got it. You're right. Your cooler's got to have something for everybody. Yeah. So that's a big one. You know, one of the local uh, IPAs that I think is really good for just it's simple, clean, not hazy, really classic is Faction. Uh, Faction has really good IPAs. They're out there in Alameda. And uh, I happen to have some the Penske file ipas on on tap that's like a a seinfeld reference but uh, that's one of my favorite ipas from them they're just really really good classic ipas and what dish has to be served to make it a super bowl party wings there you go i'm actually there's there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of chicken is going to be consumed in the form of wings this week the amount that like whenever you see those list of how much pizza and how much (laughs) chicken wings is consumed it's it's insane like i'm already so my golf course give them a shout out cinnabar hills golf club i'm playing golf they're gonna have wings made for me I've, I've now, I've now figured <laughs> Ready and instead of sitting there and doing my smoker, 
I'm going to play golf, walk off the course, I'm getting five dozen wings, and I'm bringing them to my Super Bowl party. So, yes. <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. I, I did it last year. I, like, showed up with these chicken wings, and everybody was coming up to me, I really like your wings. And I was like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I worked real hard on them. Yeah, I sat here all day doing <laughs> buffalo wings. You're right. It's it's brilliant. They give me all the carrots, all, all of the uh, – um, uh, celery and, and also ranch, blue cheese. It's all, it's, it's like, I, I think I'm getting five dozen and it I got a big bat and I just put it on my buddy's table and go, there's all the wings you need, my friend. And I'm off the hook, whatever it costs me. <laughs> I don't care. I didn't have to cook. I got to play golf. It's time for the Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to, I just asked Cody and cause we saw Jeff Passon of ESPN did an interview with Steve Cohen. And it's interesting how Steve Cohen talked about how, I didn't create this world. I just live in it. And he's right. He didn't create the baseball world. He just bought into it, and now he's living in it. Is a rogue owner like him, because I said to Cody, and Cody said, well, like George Steinbrenner, no, 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 it's not apples to apples, because George Steinbrenner could spend as much money as he wanted. He was never penalized. He was never penalized a luxury tax. He was never penalized draft picks. He was never penalized international money. This isn't apples to apples. We've got this rogue guy. Cody said bad for the game. I'm like, I think it's actually good for the game. Where are you on the one rogue owner? I think it's good for the game because it's, uh, you know, we we talk about, I like when I play games with, like I play magic with my kids or when I play, when I play like a board game, I get really bored of a game if there's a really obvious way to win it. There's only one way to win it, you know? Then it's like, well, we are all trying to do the same strategy, and whoever does it best wins, and that's it. You, you mean know? like how baseball is played right now? There's a little bit of that going on in baseball, <laughs> but a rogue owner implies there's a whole nother way. Like that's what you mean by like when you say rogue yeah. owner, I hear oh a guy doing something different. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I'm yeah. that too. Yeah, try buy a team, and I think that the way out. Um, of getting in trouble because you will get in trouble with the you know the financial penalties. You also lose some draft picks and stuff like that. The way that he has to thread the needle if he's going to do it this way is improve how good they are at turning their prospects into major league players. If they're really good at player development, quote unquote, if they do everything they can to make the most of who they do have, then the draft picks that they lose won't hurt as much. And there is this thing that like you know really only your very top draft pick is the most valuable. And then you're the bottom of the first round or the, the, the second round pick or the third round pick. Those are all less and less and less and less valuable. And if you buy one player and you already lose a pick, you only start losing less valuable picks after it. So it actually makes sense if you are going in to go in hard and just do it all because you're losing less and less valuable draft picks after that. So, you know, just do it. Just go for it. I like it. It's totally, it's, it's something new in the age of the salary cap. It's something that has, hasn't really been done this far. Uh, I think it's good for baseball. I, I do, I do worry that like, you know, I already have DMS of people being like, do you think there's going to be a lockout? They're going to blame it on Cohen, you know, like, and, and like the other owners are going to use this. Um, I don't know. There's always like the, Can I the answer big that? market. Can I answer uh -huh. that? Can I answer that? What's that? Yes. The answer is yes. The, I, I said this last year, and I don't want to get into this too much because fans don't care, but I said it. I said, if you think this fight is really between the owners and the players now, it's not. 
They're putting a Band-Aid it's on this. It's between the owners. Yes, this is a Band-Aid. The real fight that is coming after this is going to be year four. So after this year, we'll have three years left. This next fight truly is about the owners. It will be about the owners, and we will have problems. But but I agree with you. I think. But the, the thing that the reason that that I think you're right, and I think the reason why that doesn't mean necessarily lockout is that you need to get a bunch of owners to agree, <laughs> and that's not always going to be the case. You well, know? yeah, yeah. I You'd mean, you have to have all the small market owners basically gang up on the big market owners. They'd have to be in agreement. There'd have to be basically almost like a 50-50 split. Well, it's and, more it's more that than that. It's rip. more than that right now. We're going to do a segment called The Great Divide where you have six teams will enter spring training with payrolls over 200 million and then you'll have 11 teams at 100 million or less. So That's crazy. you start thinking about what happened in free agency for just a handful of teams versus everybody. So there is a whole upper echelon and kind of everybody else mentality that will come to a head, but we'll have years to talk about that. No question. Cody sent me an article, and I know he said you're big on it, and I find it funny being a golfer. Knowing that my brother, as a professional, started testing with Titleist down in Carlsbad, their main headquarters, back in the early 90s. That's a hot That's a hot place for baseball players now. Yeah, well, it's like ridiculous. You guys are so far behind yeah. that Co- Cody says to me, like literally right before COVID, I redid all my equipment. I was on TrackMan. Titleist is up at my course. TrackMan, I yeah. re- I redid everything. Like, to you guys, oh, TrackMan. I'm like, I spent probably, I spent over three grand in all new clubs. And Cody's sending me a thing going, oh, man, Austin Riley's getting a new bat. And they're doing that. I'm like, <laughs> golf has been doing this for over 30 years. Where have you people been? The equipment yeah. business, we've been measuring players. Like, when I got measured, found out, I've got long arms for my size, so I use shorter than the average shaft. My clubs mm. from driver all the way down to my putter are perfectly made for my body, and I'm some nobody radio guy, and yet you guys are like, oh, on the athletic today, we're finding out we're getting measured for bats. Can you guys get with the times? It's 2023. No, it's great. I, I don't know exactly why. Uh, I would say the pitchers are ahead. They've been doing, you know, more of this stuff uh, earlier. Uh, maybe hitters just thought, you know, I'm I, I'm reacting. I, I don't think it matters. And and, and hitter, hitters, for the most part, I think, um, still rely on things like feel. And so they'll say, you know, oh, I can feel my best bat. I can feel which bats are, you know, are best for my swing. Um, and what was interesting in this piece was uh, they did a couple demonstrations. They're like, hey, Austin, pick out the longest bat. Like, close your eyes and pick out, pick the longest bat between these two. And he picked wrong, you know? And Because he picked um, by weight. Yeah, I did a piece yeah. a while back where, um, you know, you know, you get six bats from the manufacturer and actually only two of them are better than the rest. Sometimes the hitters are, you gravitate towards those two, but sometimes they're not. You know, because it's kind of hard. There's you're talking about uh, moment, like a the inertia. There's like a moment of inertia. There's like you're talking about where the weight is. Is it yeah. the end or is it at the handle? So uh, these things can be small. Can little things can be off, and they can they can cost you. So there's not only bat fitting, which is getting big now, but it's once you get your bats, like being really precise about how which ones are the best bats in each shipment. So these are two things. But also, you know, what they're coming from with Titleist is 
they used to have force plates. They would do force plate analysis on you on your swing too. So kind of tell you a little bit about your weight transfer from the back to the front. That would be that. That's a force plate analysis of something that's come from from golf. Uh, uh, bat fitting, like golf club fitting, uh, hit tracks where they, you know, when you were when you were practicing, you don't always have to go out to the to the course in golf. You would they had hit tracks early where you would just hit and it would tell you how far your your yeah. your uh, your hit went. So you could get you could get into a smaller space in the winter, maybe work with a with a golf pro on your swing, and it would tell you how far your drives were going. That has gone over to hitting. So I would I would blame the hitters. I think <laughs> for just being a little bit behind, um, and then maybe just the idea that like in golf the ball is just going to stand there, you know. And so maybe people thought for a while, well, golf is different. The ball's sitting there; it's not coming at you at ninety five, you know. So what, all that stuff is irrelevant. But uh, other than that. It's very similar. You're you've got a long club-like implement that you're trying to move very fast and hit a ball very far. <laughs> like those things are very similar. And so I think baseball has basically found the way to like take the things that are are similar and learn from it. Yeah, you tell people all the time it's biomechanics. We're made a yeah. certain way with our hands, our wrists, our elbows, our shoulders, our torso, our pelvis. If you go through a a baseball swing and then you just take it down to the ground, you see how similar it is. And, similar, and, yeah. and it, it, it really – it's why I laugh when everybody in baseball thinks they're smart. It, it just – they act, it's like you realize – like let's just say golf. Everybody in golf down to the top amateurs, college, guys like on the Corn Ferry Tour in the minor leagues, everybody has fitted clubs. We all have fitted balls now. We've they've been doing this for years now to wow. where to where our swing some people hit the ball higher some people hit the ball lower so you find the right ball for wow. your swing we've got it and then baseball what do you do we just send as you said a bunch of crap bats to these minor leaguers yeah that are not fitted for them minor leaguers just happy to get free bats so right. so you're telling me I'm gonna draft a guy. I'm going to invest millions in a signing bonus to him. He's going to go to the minor leagues, and I am personally, as a franchise, not going to make sure he's playing with the best equipment to make him better? It is strange. How you stupid know, when I was, does that sound? It is really silly. And, you know, that I think that there is um, – it does point to an issue in baseball, which is, you know, so so when I did that piece where I was there with this, these bad weighing people and they said, you know, oh, of the six that you get, two are really better and two are really bad. You know, you know, everyone should know this and we'll do the weighing and we'll give it to you. And when I was talking to this guy, he was talking to major league teams and they were, you know, they were out there saying, no, thank you to him not and like maybe some of them were like no thank you we're gonna try and do this but i would say probably eight out of ten are saying no thank you we just don't believe in it or it's it's too much work or we don't want to do it and 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 i think that um there what's the what's the, the expression penny penny uh, pinchers penny pound penny. foolish penny pound foolish Penny. penny we're looking anyway. it up hold on penny pound i don't think it's penny pound foolish we'll see There's, it's the idea that like you're pinching the pennies but you're 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 not you're missing the bigger picture yeah well i and, I, I gotta tell you when we're at the winter meetings a great way to put it do you have it 
What does penny wise and pound foolish mean? Is that what you're That's looking it. for? Yeah, yeah. What is it, Cody? Go ahead, Cody. What do you got? Uh, it's saying, yeah, if you're said to say penny wise and pound foolish, you are extremely careful with smaller and ins- in- Consequential amounts of money, but you lose any gains you receive from those savings on extravagant larger purchases. So the definition of ignorant is just not knowing the facts. We, we think of it as a dirty word. You're calling me stupid. No, right. it just means you don't know the facts. It is amazing. We're at the winter meetings and you got all these people who think they're smart and they know everything. And how many ignorant people there are in our game who don't know anything that don't know much about how humans work from brain power to biomechanics to all these different things. Like, take, I don't know if it's you guys, The Athletic, somebody did a story, Clemson football now. Clemson has this amazing, like, warehouse that it is the most technology, health, science. It's it's hot tubs, cold tubs, workout rehab they've spent million because college football has so much collecting money. data on you and every, they have at every so, station they have all this stuff and you're like look what a college football team is doing for their athletes they've wait for us does that in baseball they've, yep. they've they've spent if you see this clemson football it's a it's better than anything any major league baseball team has what they do for yep. their athletes the millions upon millions they've invested and then let's fast forward to what do we do with a top draft pick in double a let's look at the double <laughs> a so you're telling me i could be a college football athlete at clemson that's how i'm treated and let's let's say we just gave a guy six million dollars and we've put him in a ball let's go look at our facilities in stockton here's some raw weights oh know? my god it's just what are we doing yeah please tell us what you did in there it's so crazy it's crazy yeah baseball yeah, is so the- far behind yeah, there's a similar thing in baseball. Wake Forest has an amazing lab. Part of it is because at a college, you have a unique confluence of like people who want to research the players. Hospitals, like, yeah. Yeah, hospitals. Yeah, you have a, usually you have a hospital attached to the school. And so at Wake Forest, they have actual like doctors that want to study biomechanics. And the way they do that is they take the student populations playing, the student athletes, and they put them in a lab. And the, and it's a, it's actually a sort of a, a co-deal between the doc, between the hospital and the university. And they both get research out of it. They publish research. And so there's a, there's a sort of a confluence of like of motivations that make that work. But at the same time, you're like a, a kid going to Wake Forest will see better stuff at Wake Forest than he will see for like the next three years after he gets signed. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a problem there. And, you know, uh, it is, it's funny too, how, when you talk to, you know, some, some teams have this like growth mindset and they're like, we're trying to learn, we're trying to learn everything. We're, you know, we won't, we won't tell you, screw you on anything. We, Oh, you, you have a bat fitting thing. Tell me more about it. Let's see if we can include this in our process. And they, and they, they talk a good game. So then you'll get this idea of like, oh, there are teams that have this growth mindset and there are teams like the Astros and the Yankees and the Dodgers who are doing everything they can do. And then you get this idea, oh, baseball is learning. No, there's still like five teams that really care about all this stuff and will learn from anything and will listen to any presentation at the winter meetings because they might learn from it and will make deals and will try to improve their process. And there's 25 other teams. And of the 25 other teams, there's maybe five that are trying to be in that top five. And then there's five who are, are trying to be in that top five, are just not any good at it. And then there's 10 who are not trying at all. They're just 
And then I, I think there's one locally <laughs> there. They, they might be starting the process. They did an in, important um, sort of restructuring internally where they put some of their R and D guys uh, in charge of player development. So there's going to be more, they're, they're, they're trying to put some attention to it, but this is the first time the A's are trying to put any attention on this in a long time. And they, they cut their R and D department in the early two thousands. They've had the smallest R and D department since, and they have not really invested in player development. They are among the 10 worst teams in player development. Well, to me, this is what fascinates me. Like when all these articles, and you guys all do a great job at The Athletic or whatever, and I see this stuff, and people want to talk about analytics to me. I just laugh at it, and I go, I I don't care about your math equations. I don't care about Mm -hmm. your math equations. Because that's all analytics are. They're math. Or or sabermetrics. Let's say sabermetrics. When you – I'm interested in how the human brain works. I'm interested but how the I human body. I would say that's analytics works. too, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, we no. They've been doing data on human beings well before baseball guys started writing for the Athletic. We uh, okay. We've what been I would doing, say we, is, but a do you see what I'm saying? A progressive no, organization you. can do what you're talking about and doesn't. It, 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 yes, that can be. They can be separate. Yeah. How 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 human you beings? You got to do all of it. Yeah. How human beings are successful. I'm not looking at yeah, math you're questions. Talking about, I'm yeah, talking, you're talking about the about neuroscience. Of how this. the brain works. How the yeah. how the body works. Biomechanics. Yeah. How different yeah. people. How 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 human beings register. That requires data work, though, and we're talking about data. Yeah, so, but yeah, like, I get it. But that's not what people are doing with. How do you get OPS plus? Right. I, yeah, I, like the wins of a replacement is like is is so far in the rear view right now. Yeah. But, so yes, it's the like better teams are doing what you're talking about. They're like trying how, to look at how batters see the ball. They're looking at gaze. They're looking at, you know, how the, how the interaction between how I, my eyes work and how the pitch totally. comes in. That's the sort of stuff. Why did Tony Gwynn and Barry Bonds see it one way and Joey Gallo doesn't? Why mm. doesn't Joey Gallo pick it up? Like, like this is crazy stat about Tony Gwynn. You got, you got a moment. I just got to go to uh, my buddy here. Sent this out about Tony Gwynn with two strikes. It literally floored me, this stat. It's gonna, it should floor you. Here it is. Best career batting average with two strikes. Think about this. You got two nice. strikes on you. What do you think Tony Gwynn's career career average? This is this is uh his career average with two strikes. Uh the I'm trying to do right real quick here is what the what the league is right now. Uh, oh, this but, will be great. You could find that that fast. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Let's see here. I, I think this is it. League. I think the that the league hits. Uh, two twenty. Uh, one seventy one. <laughs> I think the league hits one seventy one this year. All right. So I'm gonna guess he was like, I. Uh, I wanted to, I want to guess like a 300. That's ridiculous. So I'm going to say like 275. Okay. It's still be a hundred points above average. League hits what? 170 what? Yeah. 171. 171. You think 275. Tony Gwynn hit 302. No, he hit over 300. Wade Boggs. Wade, Wade Boggs hit. So career best batting average. Oh, so it's 1988 to 2022. So since 1998 to 2022, best career batting average with two strikes. 
Tony Gwynn at 302. That's ridiculous. The next closest is Boggs at 262. Former right. A, Luis Polonia at 261. Juan Pierre, 260. No one wants to put Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame. He was at 258. Ichiro at 253. Todd Tony, Helton's the first power hitter. To, Tony Gwynn at 302. Tell me That's why. Ridiculous. Now, remember, Tony Gwynn also is a phenomenal athlete. He's one of the only guys ever in the same town to be drafted by two teams in the same year. Was drafted by the Padres and the Clippers. Could have played in the NBA. I still believe Tony Gwynn is the all-time assist leader in basketball at San Diego State. But why did Tony Gwynn or a Wade Boggs or these guys see it and our own Chris Davis got to a point he couldn't even make contact? See, that to me is the study... Chris Davis's body, some of these guys, and the other Chris Davis, the Orioles' Chris Davis. Remember, this guy was an MVP yeah. candidate. How do this? How do these guys all of a sudden? We see it in golf too. How does a guy go out there be a great golfer and then just lose it? And that's all a mental thing. There's so many things that we have not tapped in in baseball that to make players better, that's where we need to go. Yeah, there's a really interesting thing that the Red Sox were doing when they found Mookie Betts. I, I think of Mookie Betts as similar to Tony Gwynn. I know that they, they aren't exactly the same, but they come from different generations. And so this generation cares about power. They want Mookie Betts to hit 30 homers. If you're going to hit 30 homers, you may not hit 302 in two strike counts. You know, like yeah. it's just it's a kind of a different thing that, that he's trying to do. But Mookie Betts reminds me a little bit of Tony Gwynn where he has really great contact ability. He can put it anywhere and he can really fight off the ball. And one thing that they did uh, was this sort of neurological scouting that you're talking about, where they actually just had like uh, like a, a like a computer program that was kind of a game where they would kind of like show you a ball for five seconds, like not even five seconds or like a half a second. And then you'd have to be like ball, strike, slider, whatever. And they and they just they just were studying their own players with this sort of neurological scouting to kind of get a sense of like what the best players were doing, what it looked like, what it looked like internally in their heads and how they could find it in, in other players. I think it's part of why they they went and drafted a guy like uh, Nick York, I think was one of their last draft picks. He was their first draft. It was first round draft pick and it was off the board completely. It was like everyone thought that was a 20 round uh, a 20 round reach. And the, one of the reasons was Nick York makes a lot of contact and seems to really see the ball well. So there are teams that are, that are asking the questions that you're, that you're asking. And, and, uh, and then like, and then sometimes they take it too far and make mistakes. I think, you know, so for yeah. right now, the Marlins, the Marlins want to make contact this year. They say they want to make more contact. Great. Contact is good. You know, teams that make contact do do better. They went and traded Pablo Lopez for Luis Arise, who's a, a great contact hitter, but he's more like Tony Gwynn defensively. <laughs> like he's not, he's not a good second baseman. And their team, in this whole idea of making contact, their team now has four or five. I think they have five second basemen on one team. It's so like it's like us a... with catchers. <laughs> 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 we got a bazillion of them. Yeah, at least catchers are really like really important <laughs> defensively. Second base, they got a second baseman at shortstop, a second base in center, a second base at center, at second, yeah. a second base at first, and a second baseman. <laughs> Uh, at Util. It's like having a team all of tight ends. Where are we going to put these guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put you at D-line. We'll make you into a tackle. You, well, we'll make you a wide receiver. <laughs> hey, we got a bunch of big guys. Yeah, now it's, I think uh, I'd rather have too many catchers. I mean, there's actually people in, in front offices that tell me you can't have ever have too many catchers. Until they got to play. 
<laughs> then you had to trade one away, I guess. Then, yeah. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, and I, I'm I, and I'm glad we talk about this stuff because I want this show to be different. I want people to know that there's more than just sitting around and looking at the same stuff. The game has to evolve. All sports evolve. They're always evolving. I mean, the NBA now with what they're doing so much with monitoring their players, with sleep and how much they're exercising. What are the flights? What the long flights do to them? That's going to become more important with the new sur- with the new new schedule. The new schedule is going to penalize people because everyone has to play everyone so the bay area guys uh they're adding about eight to ten thousand miles onto their uh onto their travel this year and we know that part of home field advantage is how far you came to get to the game and especially actually how many time zones you crossed to get to the game so it's basically jet lag is a big source of home field advantage so we talked about about that that for years in the nfl a west coast team going to uh, an East Coast team where your body clock, it's a it's, it's not it, lined up. It's a one o'clock game. So let's say you're the, you're the Raiders, Niners, whatever, and you fly to New York. And I can tell you this as someone who traveled with the team and you drank all night long and how you felt. <laughs> but if you're a player and it's one o'clock, it's really 10 a.m. Your body says it. And yeah. the human body. I remember Cal that one time Cal had to play this super early game against Maryland. Oh, back and the kids, too. Yeah. And you're like, your body clock says it's like 630 in the morning. Your body, <laughs> your body's not ready to start hitting other human beings at 630 in the morning. And <laughs> no. they got drilled in that game because. You know, how much of it was my body clock, my body is not ready to perform at this maximum effort. Well, I mean, baseball is a little limited by how tight the schedule is. Football, you could say, fly out to New York uh, on Monday, you know, for a Sunday game. You know, just get used to it over there. Practice somewhere over there. Uh, there are things that football teams do like that that baseball teams can't quite do. You can maybe do it a little bit in the postseason. Sometimes they send their starting pitcher ahead. Yeah. You know? You, you go there and sleep a couple nights and be there and be waiting, be ready. So there are little things that baseball teams can do. One thing that I think baseball needs to think about is what about a 154 game schedule? Ooh. You know, what if we threw some more off days into the schedule? What if we, what if we had a day off every week? You know, are, that, are, are <laughs> players going to take less money, play less games? I, I would say just, just take the same money and, and distribute it over the 154, you know, like, I, it's something that it's, it was something that would cause a ruckus because, you know, money because of money. But uh, if you could find a way to make the same amount of money and maybe you could do it in tandem with expanding. Are you then the, the owners get money from the expansion. You get two new expansion teams. You have to fit them into the schedule. Maybe it's a lot easier if everybody's at 154. All right. I know I got to let you go. Uh, Are you going to do an article sometime before the start of the season, which of the new rules will affect the game the most i've tried to i've tried to look at that and um i think it might be the shift one it's 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 funny because if any one player may not be be affected that much um but uh the game as a whole uh i have one analyst telling me um may may add uh was it uh a run per game on each side well, I'm hoping it's stolen bases, and I was listening to Dave Roberts, and he was talking about until players get incentivized, until they start getting more money to steal. But I'm just – I'm hoping that it just 
opens up for everybody to realize, you know, like back in the day, we're looking at Sal Bando could hit 25 home runs and still 22 bags. I'm hoping mm-hmm. it's just not only do we get some 80 stolen base Sal guys. Sal Bando stole 22 bags. Yeah, he stole like 20. How many bags was that? Go get that real quick. Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody used to steal, right? So it's like. One thing I have noticed is I do think that they do get paid a little bit for steals. Look at Aaron Judge all of a sudden stole 16 in his in his walk year. Uh, Dansby Swanson stole the most he'd ever sw- stolen in his walk year. They do it in their walk years a little bit, but they don't want to get injured in between. Who do you want me to look up? Sal Bando. Sal Bando. Yeah. It was just like randomly. It's like, do you know Sal Bando stole 22 bags that year? <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah, he stole. I hope it, they'll 20, change the math. In 76, when he ate, stole 341 bases, he had 20 steals that year. He was a 2020 guy. 20 at 27 340 home. steals as a team I love it I want I want I want to that's what I'm saying is like make there be more different ways to win a game yes let there be a go-go team I'm like, totally like maybe the Marlins or whoever it is let just go the out A's. there and just steal 350 bases let's go every, yeah with Ruiz every Mariano every all those guys. everybody's got the green light let's go yeah. see and that's what you're talking about doing things differently that's what I'm thinking the stolen base could be like Let's go. Let's just run. Everybody, everybody run. And if and everybody starts running. are thinking about the shift, and they're thinking, hey, let's make a bunch of contact because if we make a bunch of contact, they won't be able to shift us and prevent the runs as much, and we'll get a bunch of singles. Think about this, you know. I'm leading off, and I know – Thing, the runners are going to be able to time the pitch. The pitch working out. By the, the way, we're not, call, is, we're not calling it. It's counting down. We're not calling it a clock. It's a timer. Oh, a timer. Because clock's a dirty oh, so word. so we don't have any clocks in baseball? <laughs> it's a dirty word. It's a timer. But if, I, if, 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 I, if I'm a guy leading off and I got this Orwell big. Orwell lives. If, if I'm like leading off and I got a big lead and I see that thing's counting down to three, two, I'm going. <laughs> I'm ho- I'm hoping we see an explosion that we see 80, 70, 60 stolen bases and then the Salbandos of the world, they get 15, 20 and now our numbers just taking 90 feet constantly will be so will be so much better. Also running from first to third uh is 8 inches shorter now. My favorite uh play is the triple. And the triple is basically powerful contact, but it's about contact and being fast. And, and, and good and good routes. You got to have good routes going yeah, around the back. Right. <laughs> uh, do you have a Super Bowl prediction? I don't. I don't. I don't know enough. I'm a I'm a fair weather 49ers fan. All right. You know what? <laughs> Drink a lot of beer and have a great time with friends and family. Yeah, it's it's freeing to not care. You know, <laughs> yeah. see people. You know, watch a couple commercials. Oh, look at that replay. All right. <laughs> oh, here's a hazy. Boop. Play the man, his closing. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Go to Fieldwork for your Super Bowl party. Great stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. The great Eno Saris right here from The Athletic. Fascinating stuff. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.